Okay. Yeah, but I can't hear it. Okay. 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 <clears throat> no, that's fine. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Drunken Fan Podcast. I've got to be honest, I was a little nervous. I didn't know if we this would be something that we would honestly continuously do every week, but so far we're, we are two for two here on the Drunken Fan. Same hosts as last week, and going forward, this will always be the same hosts. We might have guest hosts, but once again, my name is Cameron. Oh, and I'm Mal. And uh, we're back again. Uh, right, I'm Mal. Right <laughs> nobody else gets that but us (laughs) that's such a terrible podcast are not the place for inside jokes and we've got tons of them so i don't give a shit (laughs) i don't give a shit well here we are again episode uh episode numeral dose and we'll uh we'll keep going again Uh, yes yes just can't wait to get back on that pod again and i'm telling you this is going to be a great episode just because of everything that we have in store for our tens of listeners if we're lucky but uh but we're getting there we're doing this for you all ones um, ones of ones listeners. of listeners <laughs> i think you and i are it that's all that's we're, all we are our biggest fans <laughs> that's and you know what you know what? we have to be our biggest fans because if we're not invested in this 100 percent, then no one else is going to either so the two biggest fans of the drunken fan podcast right here cameron and mal and, so and one of us is sober now so yeah, <laughs> technically I'm not. I'm telling you, I was tell, I was saying before we started recording how much I just because moving up here from Texas, there's no Yingling down there. There's none, and I was I was so worried that whenever I got back up here, that Yingling was just going to be something that I missed mentally. But whenever I have it regularly, like it's just like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. But I gotta say, ever since I moved back up here, like I've been drinking Yingling, like I wouldn't say like crazy, but it's been like a regular beer for me. It's 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 been pretty good, and it's definitely been missed. I'm not gonna lie, if all alcohol tasted like Yingling, I would have never drank. I, I would have gone Ugh, and never had it. <laughs> well, you know what? That's fine because that means it's more for me. But yeah, uh, it's good for you. Yeah, 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 we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll officially never be sponsored by Yingling now. No, well, you know what? I will. I would love it, Yingling. Fucking hit me up, dude. I'm, as, I'm, as long I'm as they're here. okay with uh, in the background. No, it's not. That's not. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. You got you got your haters, and definitely not me. Because so Yingling hit me up. So here's how we're gonna do this. Once again, same format as last time. We're gonna be discussing the past week in all of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex sports. Uh, the the uh, the way that we are going to talk about it is going to be a little different than last time. The order. Yeah, the order. Thank you. The order of the teams that we're going to be talking about is going to be different just because now that we're kind of leveling out a little bit with Corona and all the sporting events that are happening right now, it's just so hard to really kind of pinpoint an exact way that we should talk about it. But now that the Mavs are done and we don't have to do like a recap of that, I don't have uh, we we don't have a whole lot to talk about whenever no, it comes Mavs to the Mavs. Done. The Rangers are basically done. They're basically done. Uh so and the Cowboys are getting going, so we'll have we'll have a lot to say about that. And then obviously the stars. So but there's the order this week. And then we still have the soccer minute. Um I'm going to request 
that I have maybe about 30 seconds before the soccer minute to kind of recap the last week of FC Dallas, just because there's there's a lot that needs to be talked about. Uh, so the soccer minute and a half. Well, no, see, it's going to be just a recap, and then I've got to take the well, soccer minute no. to convince you well, to watch it this week. Well, no, it makes sense, because aren't soccer games like 90 hours long? 90 minutes. Same thing. So, yes, so... <laughs> Soccer, soccer minute and a half, but no, it's, it's not going to be the the past week is not going to be, but there's just a lot of stuff that needs to be covered for FC Dallas. And the main thing is, is one thing that I was right about, and I just can't wait to get to that. So with all that being said, let's get into the first thing. We'll talk about the Mavericks and really no news coming from the Mavericks front, but there is something, there is one thing that came out from the NBA that I did want to discuss, and this is something that you could easily contribute to on this because you don't have to have a vast basketball knowledge. Okay. But it kind of um, gets in the same realm of baseball. So the NBA has discussed the possibility because they say that towards the middle of the season, and it's they say this because the numbers back it, but towards the middle of the season, uh, play in NBA games, they dip. It's Whenever it starts, they're on this high in the middle, It like performance drops, and then towards the end, whenever people are making playoff pushes, that's whenever they, they kind of rediscover their motivation. Mm-hmm. And one thing that they have said is that they think that a big contributing factor to that is all the travel. So the NBA has discussed doing homestands. Where if you uh, like the Lakers come to Dallas. Yeah, they'll be like it'll be like a two game homestand and uh, you can uh, it'll it'll limit the amount of travel time. And that's one thing that the NBA has kind of seen with the bubble is that there has been no dip in performance. Now, whether or not that's because they're playing playoff games or if it's because of the lack of travel, like who knows? But yeah. they're they're like it'd be interesting to get your opinion on that as being a baseball person because here 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 are some things that I have noticed is that the pros are obviously less travel can equal better play. Yeah. But here are some cons with it is that a lot of NBA teams share venues with hockey teams. Uh, oh, they yeah. do they do concerts. Their uh, rodeos sometimes uh, do that in San Antonio. They 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 do a big ro- uh, mm-hmm. a big rodeo in there, and they have to do like a big long away <clears throat> or um um what's the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? They they have to stay away from home for a long time because of this rodeo. Uh, I know that the Bruins have road to road trip road trip. Thank you so much. I don't know where my brain was there, but the Bruins Not have to do it trip. too because they uh, the Bruins have a circus that comes to town, so they have to do a West Coast road they trip. They got to let all it that. air out so it doesn't smell like horse and elephant shit. And then the circus comes to town. Yeah, we're talking about the Bruins. Fucking Bruins fans. <laughs> so. Um, and then another thing that the reason why that that might be a terrible thing for the NBA is because at least with baseball, every game is different because there's a different starting pitcher and you have to approach it differently. Mm-hmm. If you're going to roll out the same teams two maybe three games in a row, like what's the what's the incentive to come and watch the game? Because well, if we can't catch this game, which is going to be the exact same game yeah, next it time, seem, it seems like you're you're only going to have uh, <clears throat> like you're going to have a lot more weekend games. You know what I mean? Or a lot more people go to weekend games instead of going to the the midweek game. So say the Lakers come to Dallas and you want to see that, you want to see LeBron play, but it's on Wednesday, you know, 
you're like, ah, well, you either don't go or you like you bite the bullet and you take off work or whatever and you go. But if it's like a Saturday, you know what I mean? Like if if the options are go on a Thursday and have to go to work the next day and be maybe hungover or maybe just, you know, like full of, I don't know, funnel cakes. I've never actually been to the Ace. Oh, no, I've never been to a Mavericks yeah, game. Yeah, not a Mavericks game. Uh, <clears throat> like, you know what I mean? You're you're gonna choose the weekend game every time. It's, it's the same thing happens with the with the Rangers with baseball in general. Like nobody sells out every game anyway, but like the weekend games always, always, always have more uh, more uh, people in the stands. It's funny that as you get older, you start talking about like, well, do you want to go out and drink a whole lot and get hung over and then wake up and then have to go to work after having a bunch of beer? <laughs> then you get into your 30s. It's like, man, if I have a funnel cake, I have like a food hangover the next day. So it's just like you go out, you either you either fill yourself with beer or funnel cakes dude and then and then a f- uh, like five years ago when you went to the state fair you could do both because they I had know. funnel cake beer oh dude the so worst. terrible so it terrible. was actually delicious but so here's so um <laughs> and see it's every single sporting event whether or not it's a homestand of the same teams over and over again, the weekend games already do better anyway, because right. a lot of people aren't going to go out and see teams on the weekday. <laughs> it's just it, it like it, it would right, really there's, make now you, there's no no incentive whatsoever to right, go to right. a midweek game. If if the Lakers come into town on a Tuesday, but then, you know, they're going to be there again on a Friday. Like who would go to that game on a Tuesday? Like weird people that don't that work jobs where you're off Monday and Tuesday. That would be me. Uh, and that's that's just the way that life is for some people yeah yeah, of course of course but most (laughs) most people most people have jobs where you have to you have weekends off saturday sunday and those are the games you'll go to but it'll really water it down uh i think if they decide to do homestands but and this is just like this isn't something that the nba is like i'm sure they're seriously considering it because the report came out about it but right it it still needs to be approved 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 by the player (laughs) association and the nba still has to they can't just say like here's our idea so now player association you figure it out like that like this is just something that was just up in the air how to implement it and how it would actually work absolutely the rules behind everything i think it would i think if you do that the only way that I could see making it really work is if, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, basically do away with the middle week, in middle of the week game. You know what I mean? Like the win- Tuesday and Wednesday games basically do away with that because it's just going to be lost revenue anyway. Oh, it'll it'll be lost revenue in the stands, but it won't be that that like you'll lose more revenue if you don't put the games. Like a lot of people will watch the games on a Tuesday or Wednesday. That's true. But but who knows if people will even watch the games because it's like it's a Tuesday. We're we're talking about people going to the games like they're going to be allowed to go to the games by whenever they think about doing this anyway, this is so. and this this isn't something that they're talking about doing next year, but yeah. this will be whenever they whenever NBA or whenever the coronavirus thing is gone and the NBA teams are allowed to travel and they're having regular home games yeah. like it was before. So this yeah. is, this will probably be something that will be implemented in like five years from now. I just thought it was interesting and it would, I thought it would be really interesting to get the take of someone because they use baseball as an example and yeah. someone who like, this is kind of like combining 
the two worlds. The worlds are colliding here, and so I just mm-hmm. wanted to know if uh, I, I just wanted to know how you kind of saw it. I don't know if I'd be a fan of it. I know that the NBA players would love it, but at the same time, like it's like it, it, I don't think it would be practical whenever it comes to making money and revenue because in the end, this is still a business, and I right. think the smart business aspect is like <laughs> the Lakers are in town one night. And they won't be back again for another month. So you right. need to come out on this Tuesday and come watch the Lakers, come right. watch the Clippers, come watch the Nets or the Nuggets or whoever that are in town because they're not going to be back again for a month. And I think right. that it'd be a better business decision to just keep the way that it is. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I don't really... <laughs> You're like, oh, I want to get your take. And then you said everything I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. I just, so. it, that's just how I saw it. And it, unfortunately for... People who are listening to the podcast, we we don't really disagree on a whole lot of things. So you bring ideas to the I table. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> so, but speaking of baseball, we'll put we'll put that to bed right now. Mav segment's a little bit shorter. But the Rangers this week, I got some numbers for you here. They went four for four since since I talked shit about them. They went four for four, which isn't great, but it's better it's an than improvement. yes, of course it is. It means I need to talk more shit. So they. They lost to Seattle, they lost to Ugh. the Angels, and they lost to Oakland twice, Ugh. which is not... I mean, losing to Oakland twice this year, who hasn't? But Right. Losing to the, the Angels in Seattle? Mm. So it, 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 it just seems like that the Rangers are... And this is the problem here with doing a 60-game season yeah. is because it, it, like it doesn't allow teams to really get in their groove right, and this right. this is something that i was even saying to you earlier before we even started recording but it was just like it's crazy to think how fast this season has just flown by like oh, yeah. ev- everyone yeah. always likes to talk about like how 162 games is too much but really you kind of need it because yeah. it seems like that the rangers are kind of starting to find their find their footing here especially Rugnet Odor this last week and we'll get into numbers here in a mm-hmm. little bit but i just i just didn't know like what what did you see from the rangers this week from any of the games that you may or may not have watched or any highlights that you've well, seen well i noticed uh, that Joey Gallo bunted to beat the shift um, <laughs> so there's that and then uh, another thing that i noticed is uh, Kiner Falefa, man, he does not get enough credit, but he's batting in the 320s right now. Uh, last I saw, he was third, I think, or fourth in the AL as batting average. So that's that's really good. Solak, uh, I saw somebody say Solak reminded them of a muscular Michael Young, and I was like, you know what? Hey, I I take that. I'll take that. Um, <clears throat> Lance Lynn is Lance Lynn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's let's he, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. He, uh, he was one of those guys. I wanted them to get him about two years before they did because he was a free agent. And then he went to the Twins and didn't do so hot. And I think he went to the Yankees maybe and didn't do so hot. I don't remember. But then he came to town and we're like, well, let's see. And that was the year that they brought everybody to town. It was like, oh, hey, this is the. This is the 2007-2008 like, Cy Young Award race because they brought in Lincecum, who didn't even make the team. They brought in Bartolo Colon. They brought in uh, Lance Lynn. So <clears throat> since that season, he's really, really stepped into his own and just become the type of pitcher that you don't really see a whole lot of in baseball, and that's why he's had so much success is he's 
he's got good velocity. He's not going to blow anybody's socks off or anything like that. But he he has control. Like he puts it where he wants to put it. And honestly, I think if he wanted to throw 97, 90, uh, 98, are I we think still he, talking about Lance Lynn? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he could, but I think he holds back. And then sometimes he'll touch, you know, that, but he doesn't do it all the time with his fastball. And I, I think it's because he'd rather, he'd rather put it where he wants to put it. You know what I mean? And pitch to contact. Cause there's something about hitting the pitcher, hitting the, yeah, hitting the pitcher's pitch versus hitting the hitter's pitch. Right. Okay. So if I can get you to swing at a curveball, yes, it's a strike, but if I throw a, a curveball and you're in, like, let's say it's a one-two count and I throw a curveball for a strike, you have to swing at it. And if you hit it, you know, and you don't hit it well, that's called hitting the pitcher's pitch. It's because I make you hit the pitch that I want you to hit. And that's the mentality that I've seen from Lance Lynn. He, he's not scared to pitch to contact, but he's definitely going to punch you out if you give him the chance. Do you see that Lance Lynn is uh, is he that pitcher that's going to be with the Rangers going forward? I hmm, I don't know because, man. like you said, he's he's an older pitcher. His better days are obviously behind him. So how long are you going to how long are you going to try and ride the Lance Lynn bandwagon before? Well, the, the, as far as uh, if I was if I was running the Rangers. I would keep him around just because it is always good to have a veteran pitcher, especially a veteran starting pitcher, especially when you have three or four guys that are coming up that are very young, that have good stuff that maybe don't know how to, you know, maybe don't know the ins and the outs of, of pitching in the major leagues, but they're getting their feet under them. It's always good to have that presence of somebody who can show you the ropes. You know what I mean? It's always good to have uh, for every nuke Lelouch, you gotta have a crash. You gotta have Crash <laughs> Davis, man. <laughs> la la louche. <laughs> la la louche. <laughs> okay. So um speaking of veteran presence though, that and someone who's not gonna be a veteran presence for the Rangers probably for the rest of the season, just since there's so little time left in it, is Elvis Andrews. Elvis Andrews gets put on the 10-day IL. And, like, normally you hear that and you think that, oh, well, you know, whatever. But it actually ended up producing a really good story. Like, we're going to be talking about Sam Huff later on here in a second because he made his Major League debut. Mm -hmm. But probably the greatest story about the who made their Major League debut was um, Sheraton... Apostle? Is that how you pronounce his name? Apostle? I, yeah, Apostle is the T. Anyway, I, I apologize. I, know I don't that, know about it in the name, but in the word Apostle, the T is silent. A-P-O-S-T-E-L. That's how you pronounce it. T-E-L? T-E-L. Uh, it's probably Apostle. Yeah, anyway, I, I apologize sincerely if I'm mispronouncing that name. Uh, but Sheridan Apostle, uh, he made his uh, Major League debut to replace Elvis Andrews that very next game. And I don't know if you saw this at all, but it's it's a crazy story. He, got, he ended up laying down to watch Netflix, and he gets a phone call from his apartment at 6.20 p.m., and uh, they're saying, "Hey, you got to get to the ballpark. You're 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 playing tonight. First pitch that day was at 6:45. He gets <laughs> no the way. phone call at 6:20, <laughs> and he goes, it's like, hey, guess what? Your your lifelong dream is being fulfilled.' And they were he was talking about how he didn't really get that chance to kind of mentally prepare for it. The only time that he was able to do it was every time he hit a red light. 
before like on his way to the yeah, park yeah. and he said that they hit so many and it was like as soon as he hit that red light he was like oh god like this is real and then they start moving again and it's like okay fine and then they stop it's like oh shit like it's fucking real again and so the funny thing was is that whenever he got to the park he was he said that he didn't have any time to overthink. take in the moment overthink it but he really it, it wasn't even that he because I don't know if this was overthinking or not, but whenever he was out there playing, the first ball that was hit to him, he missed it. Had an error right there at the very beginning. But he said that that kind of helped because it was just like, okay, well, that play's done. you got to keep fucking going. Get it out of the way. And he ended up going one for three. He got his first hit, and he he was 0 for 2. And then whenever he got up for that last at-bat that he had, he just hit a curveball out to left field, and he was saying that as he was running towards first base, that he thought that the... that he thought that the left fielder had a good bean, like a good uh, bead, bead on it. Thank you. Yep. And uh, but it didn't. It fell right down, and he was able to do that. They lost ten to one that game, <laughs> but still he was he was able to he was able to fulfill his lifelong dream. Yeah. And not even have a chance to kind of like get in his own head. It was just like another game for him. But he definitely was nervous, and it, it showed. But he was able to kind of recover from that error, and he ended up getting that hit. So Yeah, and that's one of those things where it's like you've prepared for it your whole life, so you don't want to have, like, you know what I mean? You don't want to have too much time to where you overthink every little detail and you start to put so much pressure on yourself. Like, that's why the pitchers that work slow, that's why a lot of guys, like Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, those guys worked really slow if you go back and watch those old games, it would take forever between pitches. And it's so the batter has time to go, okay, it's uh it's one and one. It started me off with a fastball high. Second pitch was a curveball in the dirt. He's been pretty heavy on his fastball today, but he might try to break off that curveball again. I don't know. You have time to think through that, and then pitch is coming. You know what I mean? Whereas some guys, they work fast and they're trying to like get you before you have time to think about anything. You know what I mean? So I think with, with that specific situation, like he's been so prepared for his whole life that he just, what you saw is basically what you're going to get with him. You know what I mean? He has the ability to shake off an error and, uh, and come up, you know, clutch with a hit. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say it was clutch because they were, this was well, late in the no, game. They were already down like cl- a bunch clutch for him. Yeah, clutch of course, him. of course, not necessarily for the right, team, right. Not for the him. team. So we'll, we'll see if like, if the game was like three, two and he's up there, does he produce the same kind of hit? But that obviously it, he's done enough to kind of show that he can take a moment like that. No fans in the stands, which I probably think makes it worse. Uh, and worse in a sense of you're you're in your own head. You don't have to worry about like trying to block out the sound and the the fans that are out there because that's an entity in and of itself, and that's a part of the game that is no longer there. So it might make it worse that you get up there and you're you are alone, yeah, right there. Whether you're pitching or you're hitting, like you're just up there. You're on your own. Like you're you are the center point of attention when it comes to this game and so that if anything it probably shows the kind of resolve and the gumption that this kid has to in order to take in a moment like this and and really 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 deliver in a game that really meant jack shit but it still it doesn't matter it gives you a lot of hope for the future i mean when was the last time the rangers played a game that meant anything oh my god so he wasn't the only one that made his major league debut over the last week. The Rangers' number two prospect, Sam Huff, made his uh, big league debut. Uh, he, the only person that he is behind is Josh Jung. 
Josh he's, Young. Oh, is that how it's you pronounced? You should know that. He no, played I, at Texas Tech. No, I don't... I don't know. I know Texas Tech football. Like that's about it, and basketball from last year. Just because they made the Final Four. Like I, I like Texas Tech, but I like Texas Tech football. As you're very, as you're probably very Why? well. In, I, it's because they I'm were the mess. Do we don't? Okay, need to all right. It. Okay, I was about to say I can go into it. No, it, no, but whenever it comes to basketball, as you know, I'm a North Carolina fan. So no, it's Josh Young. So excuse me. Uh, he's the he's their number one prospect right now, but. The cool thing about it was is that they were they were able to, and I don't know if this is the whole coronavirus thing that makes it super, um, uh, that makes it even more, more special or not special, but like like they can dive a little bit more deeper into the moment itself, or if they, I, like I'm not sure, but it was really cool the 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 storylines that I was reading about him because he did not have a good first game. He went 0 for three with a walk and two strikeouts. And he was saying like how nervous he was before that game. So I'm wondering if he had like a moment like, uh, Sheridan apostle, (laughs) if if he had a moment like that, where if he didn't have a moment to overthink it, that he might've done better. But he was talking about like an exact quote from him was that he couldn't feel his legs. Like while he was up there and he was batting, like he 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 said he had no idea what was holding him up because he like he was just so nervous in that yeah. moment. <clears throat> but it was cool because whenever Chris Woodward went up to pull Garcia that game, mm-hmm. uh, he had Sam Huff come to the mound with him and uh, Chris Woodward, and this is just so brilliant of him, and this just shows like how good of a manager that he is. But he had Sam Huff come to the mound just so that way he can look into his eyes. And see if it was like a deer in the headlights kind of thing. And he said as soon as he got up to the mound, he was just like, nope, he's very, he was focused and he was there. And it's weird to think that you can look at someone and say like, dude, that guy is not here right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he can. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You can. Absolutely. And that's kind of, that's one of those innate things, I think. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that's something that is taught. But anyway, but that's, that's a, that's a different topic than baseball. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. of course it is. But that's that's just what Chris Woodward was doing, and he even still like in this moment, like he knew, he knew to check his eyes just to see, and instantly he knew he was like, hey, there's a like he's there, and the moment isn't too big for him. So right. he might not have had a good game, but he was still able to be in the moment and be there and not let it really overtake him too much. So it was uh, it, it was good to see that the Rangers are giving some of their young players like they they went four for four which yes is an improvement they don't exactly need <clears throat> I wouldn't say they need to improve too much just because they're like their 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 chances of making the playoffs this year and and and, yeah, and vying no, for a World not, Series title is is no. way <laughs> out the window so why not what give some want, of those young yeah, players you, a chance yeah that that's that's basically what the rest of this year is is letting your Younger players get their feet under them. I know last week I said, you know, if we had Fernando Tatis Jr., absolutely he'd be playing. But we don't have those guys. And part of the reason why we don't have those guys is is because the past couple of years, the Rangers haven't been in the mentality where it's like the season is done until like the last month or so. You know what I mean? They've kind of always hung around and then tanked. You know what I mean? Well, so, that, that, and that might be good for the Rangers that this sixty-game series is so short mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. allows them to be out of it a lot sooner. Yep. 
because as soon as like like there's like a it's like a definitive moment like whenever over 162 games the the definitive moment isn't until like that last month Mm -hmm. of the season like here like probably about like halfway you kind of you kind of could read the writing on the walls and be like this season is done Elvis is hurt. Let's bring up some people. That's when they gave up four grand slams in four games. Yeah, of course. Of course. Like, you could instantly. And, like, (laughs) I'm telling you, that's still really early in the season. Oh, yeah. But a 60-game season, it's just flat out not long enough for a baseball season. Like, because that that sport, like, you have to have a lot more chances because we were just talking about in the last segment, whenever it comes to basketball, like it's the same team every game. If mm-hmm. you were to do homestands, it's not with baseball. It's a at, different game every yeah. single game. Yeah. You look at, you look at a uh, <clears throat> basketball team, you know what I mean? Like there's how, how many people are on a professional basketball team, backups and everything. What? Like 15. If that, if that, if that, I'd say maybe 10 to 12, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably, but yeah, probably about like, yeah, like about at the end of the year, uh, Major League Baseball expands their roster to 40 guys. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. that's because you have to, because at the end of the year, there's that attrition level. And people would say, oh, well, that means you don't need that many games. It's like, no, well, no. Yeah, if absolutely. You don't, if you don't play 162 games, the uh, the 2010, ouch, St. Louis Cardinals, or sorry, 2011 St. Louis Cardinals still hurts. Uh, they don't make the playoffs that year, right? Right, because they made it in the last game. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they won they the were, World Series, and they were down and motherfucking out. Yes, and they won the World Series. Yeah, right, so, right, absolutely. It's a different kind of endurance because if you watch, like, if you watch basketball, hockey, soccer, it's even physical. even football, it's, like, it's, it's very a, physical. physical whenever it's, but with baseball, it's, it's got it's a different kind of endurance. A, it's a mental endurance. Absolutely, too, because, you have to be able to if do you're that. Not paying attention. That one pitch, that's the one that's coming to you. Dude, fucking A right. And it's 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 amazing and it's it's actually really beautiful. And that's what makes a sport like baseball completely different than any other sports. I know that I'm like I'm not exactly an expert, but I'm still a fan. Yeah. There's no way. Like during the like, yes, I'll watch the Rangers, but during the playoffs, like I'm watching the playoffs. Like because it, it, it's such a big deal. It's 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 history in the making. Like it's and it's 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 crazy to think that um over 162 games like it's really the perfect measuring stick on who deserves to be here because anyone can have like a hot july yeah yeah no no pun intended there but anyone can like get hot at one moment and then fizzle out towards the end you have to get hot over that whole season yeah case in point look at the the rangers of the late 90s early 2000s (laughs) like almost every year at the all-star break they're in first place. They made the playoffs twice. Yeah. You know, like there are teams that will outperform and then over 162 games, that balances out. Yes, of and course. Your better it does. teams are gonna rise to the top. Yeah, you can't you can't just have one good week and then instantly you're a contender. You know, right. you have to have good months and months and months. Right. So just um just real quick, one last little cool thing on the Rangers here is that the Rangers ballpark is actually going to be the host of the World Series this year. I know you're not so much a fan of that, and I get why you wouldn't be, But uh, and we can dive into that here in a second, but let me go over some numbers here. They're going to do a bubble, kind of like what the uh, uh, what basketball and hockey is doing right now, 
And see, I didn't know that any of this was confirmed. I saw that yes, thinking about no, it. No, yeah, I, I think it's still... Hold on, let me see here. I have a note here that's... Yeah, it still needs to be approved by the MLB Players Association. But this is what they're presenting. And the MLB Players Association needs to hurry up and approve it because... Uh, the the playoffs se- are coming. Yes, they're coming, man. The the, the regular season... Season? Season is scheduled to end on September 27th. And here's how it's going to break down. The National League teams are going to be playing in Texas. The divisional round is going to be in Houston and in Arlington at Minute Maid and Globe Life. Uh, the NLCS and the World Series will be played in Arlington, very similar to what hockey's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the AL will be the the AL the American, the American League, League. Yeah, the American League playoffs are going to be in LA. 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 And it's going to be at the Dodgers <clears throat> Stadium and at Petco Park for the Dodgers. No, 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 no. The Dodgers Stadium and at Petco Park for the Padres, excuse me. Yeah, I was about to say. And the ALCS will be hosted at Petco. Just so that way no team has like a definitive advantage whenever it comes to whoever's going to be making the playoffs that once again uh makes sense and yeah. n- nobody's going to have the home team home field no absolutely and so the opening here's how it's going to go the regular season ends on September 27th the AL divisional series will start on September 29th and go through October 1st the NL division series will be September 30th and go through October 2nd and then the world series will start on October 20th and will finish no later than the 28th so i know that it's very upsetting that the Rangers won't be in the World Series for the World Series that will be played in their park, but it is of no surprise that they would use the Rangers' new park. Yes, it looks like a Home Depot on the outside, but the inside is extremely beautiful from the footage that we've seen. Obviously, we've never actually stepped foot in it. But, from uh, the games. But yeah, from the games that they've been showing and all that, like it's been, it looks like it's a very beautiful park. It's brand new. Yeah. New is always better. So they will be... Uh, <laughs> So the, so it will still get a chance to be spotlighted and shown on a national level. So I know that you're not a fan because the Rangers aren't playing in it, but at the same time, it's, it's still one of those things it's that... It's not that I'm not a fan, it's that I'm just... There's that little bit of disappointment that there's no chance that the Rangers are going to be in it. Right. I know. I you know. know. I mean? And it, 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 it's very mm-hmm. terrible. I would say that for hockey standpoint is that it sucks that the stars are doing so well in their playoffs right now and they can't share it in front of their fans in Dallas. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know which is worse, like having the World Series played at your park and you're not in it or your team going on a deep playoff run and not being able to share it in front of your fans. Like I'd say not being in it would be worse. No, yeah, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, but it's just kind of two similar situations yeah, here and it's yes, funny how it's just kind of laid of out. So. Almost. Yeah, 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 of course, yep. of course. So, that's the Rangers. Do you have any last little things that you want to add? Or maybe some things to look for whenever it comes to the rest of this week? No. I mean, if this was football, I'd be like, watch for watch for them to tank. But tanking doesn't work in baseball. No, the draft already happened. Yeah. Like, it's, like, well, it's no, done. I mean, for next year. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And people, I know. Pe- uh, you know, tanking doesn't work in baseball. People point at the the Astros and it's like uh, they weren't tanking they were cheating yeah of course of course so, so you got to give that last little jab little at the jab, Astros fans so. they're 500 right now eat it <laughs> <laughs> but once again like that just shows you that a 60 game season isn't enough like the Astros they were there they, they might be able they might just be struggling a little bit with everything that they're having to deal with mentally and 
maybe during a 162-game season, they can kind of get past it, and everyone else will get past it, and then they might be able to find their game. But right now, like, they just can't. And, and quite frankly, it's not fair. Do they deserve it? Of course they do, but it's just say, not fair. I think you've convinced me. I like 60 games now. Okay, so we'll... we'll, we'll uh, <laughs> Rob, uh, who's the who's the Manfred? Yeah, Rob Manfred. Yeah, we'll we'll. I know that just like Gary Bettman listens to this podcast. I know Rob Manfred's listening to it. So well, it's like, he hey, just so probably does because he's the worst commissioner in all of professional sports. So he's probably listening to a lot of different podcasts. And hopefully he he takes he heeds our advice here, just so that way the Houston can suck a little bit longer. Let's do another sixty game season next year. Hell yeah! Here comes my favorite part of the podcast. We are at the halfway point. We are going to talk about FC Dallas. FC Dallas fans, I am here for you every single week. And don't you ever think that I have forgotten about you. So before we get to the soccer minute, and I can kind of convince you why you should watch this next week, let's let's break down FC Dallas's last let's break down their uh let's break down their last week. Hang FC on, hang on. Well, no, no, no. You get, you get 30 seconds. I don't want for I don't this. want I don't want 30 seconds for this. I you, want uh, that's what we said before we recorded. <sighs> All right, here we go. So FC Dallas versus Minnesota. They lost 3-1, to one, uh, but their goalie, Kyle Zobeck, made his first MLS appearance, and he's 30 years old, so that's a feel-good story for him. And he had to do it because of the Jesse Gonzalez suspension for domestic abuse. I, dude, I'm not going to have enough time to get through this. Uh, Say he, less. He, he had a great save in the second half. Which and it was it was really incredible. With even though it was shot from a distance, he still had to make a great save. And there was a red card issued in this. Uh, uh, Romain uh, Metrinier he spiked Andrus no oh, Andrus Ricarte. This should be the podcast. This should be the podcast. You trying, <laughs> trying to, to pronounce, pronounce soccer names. No, I'm so bad. You motor and, through hockey names. I know, and I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> terrible at this, and I'm so sorry. Um, here's okay. Uh, so there was that. Even though they lost that game against Minnesota, and they are that good. Here's the fun part for you: is that they actually beat Houston Dynamo two to one. So I forgot to mention this last Hi-oh. week, and that they beat Houston. Um, Suck it. Andres Rucarte had a beautiful goal from distance, and he just recently signed for, uh, like to FC Dallas. So it was it was great to see that he kind of found his feeding. And then uh, once again, Kyle Zobeck had a great breakaway save, and it was a mirror image of the first goal that was scored by Minnesota FC. So maybe he was a little nervous in that first game, and he was able to truly be able to kind of find his game whenever it came to the second one he was able to kind of uh he was kind of able to kind of like set in and kind of find himself uh Ryan Hollington made a great head save in the second half and he was the guy that I was talking about that was going to replace Reggie Cannon and uh this was Houston's first loss since the season restarted so FC Dallas is trending in the right direction here they're beating teams that are good that aren't losing but yet they give them their first loss hmm. okay all right so here is the start of the soccer minute here and I'll be I'll be really quick with this one just whenever you want to go ahead and start it let's do it 
All right, so FC Dallas, this week, their next game, they play Colorado. Colorado and Dallas are respectively the eighth and the ninth seed in the conference whenever the top seven teams make the conference. So this is a very important game for these teams. Colorado stats, they're third in shots at 11.1, first in shots on target at 5.2, and eighth in goals allowed at 1.7. So you said that you want to watch some high-scoring games. This will really put FC Dallas and test them to see if that stingy defense can really come through and that they can take it right back at them. The next game after that is against Sporting uh, Kansas City. Uh, they're third in the Western Conference, fourth in goals scored at 2.1. The last two games for uh, Sporting Kansas City, uh, they tied Dallas 1-1, to and then they lost to Houston 2-1, to and that was the team that FC Dallas just beat for the first time. So they can actually give Sporting Kansas City a run for their money. So important game. If you're going to watch any one of them this week, uh, watch the game against Colorado because it's a very pivotal game between two teams that are fighting for a playoff spot. Verdict, yes or no? Are you going to watch any games this week? I mean, why would I want to watch them get blown out? They don't have, they're not going to get blown out. Colorado is the ninth <clears throat> team, so FC Dallas actually ranks higher than them. Defense wins motherfucking championships, man. So it'd be one of those things where it's going to be fun to watch a team that's very high scoring against a very stingy defensive minded team and who can who can win that battle. See, this isn't going to work if you're just instantly going to say no every week. This, this is going to be no fun. <laughs> that's the challenge. I don't want to watch soccer. OK, well, there we go. I'll, I'll then I, I am 0 for 2 so far. <laughs> in the soccer minute so next week i'm gonna see what i can do to get him to watch it so we're, we're gonna make it happen fc dallas i am here for you guys all right let's go ahead and just switch on over to what everyone wants to talk about and we can kind of call this an overreaction monday or whatever it is i know that we release this podcast on tuesdays and we record on mondays but an overreaction Monday on the Dallas Cowboys. Mm, the Cowboys suck. Everyone wants to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, and we are here for you guys because we need to listen to our audience. And so let's, I let's we, just let's just get it out of the way first. No, it wasn't offensive pass interference. No, a game should not come down to one play. We'll 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 get to that because uh, well okay let's just let's just let's just fucking talk about it now then so that call to me was very weak especially since beforehand uh, I believe it was C D Lamb who got he, this, uh, one of the Rams defenders grabbed his hip and turned him around and they and, and they let they they didn't throw a flag they let him play so yeah. it seemed like that all game long the refs were kind of letting him play and then they come down to this one pivotal moment yep. in the game and they decide to call that like it and I know that what any, it'd be something else if they were calling that all game, but they weren't. No, and the refs look for extension, uh, extension, extension of the arm. And was it there? Yes, but he wasn't pushing with his palm. If you look at the replay, he's kind of backhanding him, and like they're both fighting for the ball there. Like they're yeah, both Jaylen sitting Ramsey there. Yeah, had, had his arm. Hooked. He had it absolutely. And so whenever, whenever, whenever he, uh, who was it? Gallup. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever Gallup pushed off. He kind of pushed off with his backhand, and that's kind of like shooing a fly. It looked more like he was getting separation and trying to get his hand free than of pushing course, off to Of course, of course. And, 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 and Jalen Ramsey did a good job of selling it, man. He 
he he went backwards and his arms flailed in the air and a ref in real time is going to look at that and think hey if if your head's going to go back you must have been pushed pretty hard and they're going to throw yeah, the flag the referee looked at it and went sweet fancy moses i know and dude it's just it's it's the not it's <laughs> I don't think that they should have thrown the flag there. And no. this is – and and so it's – but what can you do, right, man? Because right. if you really want to get to the terribleness of that game – I know it's not a word, whatever. But if you really – if you want to get to the part of the game where you really want to look at it and go, what the hell? It was that fourth down call <laughs> whenever they were on the 11-yard line. I know that um, – I know that their defense had been doing a great job at stopping their offense, especially going into that fourth quarter. Yeah, but but it, it, and 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 so you want to show that confidence in your defense, but that's not fourth down territory on the eleventh yard line. If you're with if you're down three points and it's a chip shot practically, like now that's a shorter kick than an extra point. Like you 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 take points in the fourth quarter. Like I I just don't understand why Mike McCarthy would look at that situation and think, hey, let's go for it. But at the same time, C.B. Lamb probably made a rookie mistake. C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb? Yes. I know that whenever he, whenever you're making that break and that cut route, Dude, you, you got to get to the first down marker, yes, man. You, you can't to. catch it two yards short of it and then you think that. To. So that's, uh, and, and Dak hit him on the run. Mm-hmm. But who knows if he would have been in a position to make that catch if he would have been too. But you've got to know where you are. You've got to know where that first down marker is. Yeah. One, I was listening to the press conference from Mike McCarthy last night. And one thing that he said, and this is something that has that, that just drives me absolutely insane about Mike McCarthy. And it's how, how full of himself that he is. Because yeah, you're always the wrong. You're always wrong. This is what he said. This was a quote. Uh, it was a good, solid call. We just didn't execute. Like, that's pretty much saying that I made the right call. The players were the ones that screwed it up. And that's not a good head coach. Yeah. I don't give a shit who you are. Like, n- like, if you're a good head coach, it's always a team aspect. It's always a good team aspect whenever it comes to that. So... Uh, whenever you're going to make calls like that, you also have to kind of be willing to accept the consequences. And it seemed like that whenever Mike McCarthy first got his chance, he did a really good job at pointing his fingers at the players rather than the play call. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a good call, I guess, in the sense that CeeDee Lamb made the catch, but and he was in the wrong place, and so I get it. It's like, yeah, we got positive yardage, but you didn't get the first down that you needed. I know, I know. And enough. You, you, need, you need to own up to the fact that you made the call and it didn't work. And in reality, if you're that close to the, uh, if you're that close to tying the game, you've got to take those points. So one thing I also did nervous about my nervous. One thing I did notice about Mike McCarthy is that I swear to God, like I'm better at this than we'll get there. Uh, the one thing I noticed <laughs> about Mike McCarthy is that he seemed very nervous during that press conference. Like he knew that those questions about that fourth down uh-huh. was coming and it to me it was very reminiscent of if an NHL player goes to Toronto it's a different animal because the media is very 
like like they'll 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 dissect they will absolutely and that's what hinders people from really going to dallas going to toronto in order to win championships because they understand like the pressure there is just so much and i think going to the yankees and i think mike mccarthy understood that whenever he was getting up there because he was breathing heavy and the whole time that he was with cholesterol if he the whole time but he's always been like that even whenever he was in green bay he never really felt that nervousness that i think that he felt because he knew how he knows how big of a deal it is to be a part of the dallas cowboys franchise and that might be something that has hindered the cowboys in the past and i don't see it changing anytime soon so in the end the dallas cowboys media is probably shooting themselves in the foot because everyone is feeling it game one yeah they understand like the like how big of a deal it is yeah so even though that they lost this game, I kind of had Dallas losing this game anyway before mm-hmm. before the game mm-hmm. even started. But the defense looked a lot better than I thought it was going to. I think to. so. Yeah. I think so. That defense looked a lot better than the one thing that they did not do very well was uh they they didn't they didn't contain the run too well, but in the end like the, it was still a solid game. I thought that they were going to get blown out, so good for the Cowboys. Uh, and good for them for looking better than how I thought that they would, even though I still thought that they would lose this game. But the uh, the good thing about it is is that there's a lot of optimist a lot of optimism with this team, especially whenever it comes to Dak Prescott, because Dak Prescott did look good in this game. Yeah, he did, especially uh, despite uh, the offensive line letting him down and letting. How do you let? Uh, how do you let Aaron Donald get a sack on you? Like how? Like how are you not double and triple teaming that guy? If you're gonna let someone else get a sack, Dude, you, you saw the you saw the highlight of him pushing two guys over. There. Yes, I did. Like, I know, but see, I'm that? telling you, I'm telling you. Then you triple team him like other teams have. Like seriously, it'd be one of those things. It's like they have other if people, someone though. if someone else. But see, but that's the thing. Like if someone if someone's gonna get a sack, it's not gonna be Aaron Donald. Like we're gonna let someone else went out but not Aaron Donald because you know what a what a threat that he is on the defensive line. So with that being said, here are my predictions for the Cowboys season. Okay. And I had all of this already laid out and ready to go before the game last night. So don't think that I'm like jumping on this, but I have the Cowboys going 9 and 7. I think that they'll get wins uh, uh against the Browns. I believe they'll beat the Giants twice. They'll beat the Cardinals. They'll beat Washington twice. Uh, they'll beat the Steelers, the Bengals, and they'll beat the Eagles once at the end of the year. And that'll be their biggest win of their uh, the biggest win of this season is against the Eagles at the very end of this season. And I'll explain to that why here in a second. Because they will avoid going eight and eight. Here's the yes. Here's the losses that I have: the Rams, the Falcons, and the Seahawks. So I have them going zero and three to start this year. They'll lose next week. They'll lose the week after that because Russell Wilson is a monster and yesterday he showed me like how good he really is so i have them going zero and three but then they'll come back and they'll be they'll win the next four they'll go four and three and then they'll kind of flip flop wins until the very end there but they'll lose against the eagles uh in philadelphia the first game against the eagles uh they'll lose against the vikings they'll lose against the ravens and the 49ers but I still have them going nine and seven and winning the NFC East, and I think that they lose in the first round of the playoffs, uh, they, in, in the uh, in the wild card round against Seattle, just because I think that San Francisco comes back with a vengeance and ends up winning the NFC West, 
with like a 14 and two record and the Seattle Seahawks will be right behind him at 13 and three. And I think that the Cowboys are just going to be the lowest wild card team and they'll just have to go to Seattle and it's just going to be too much for him. <clears throat> yeah, I have him going 11 and five. Uh, I didn't, you know, go through and look at the different games or anything because why prepare? But <laughs> I think they're going to win a couple of games that nobody expects them to win, but I think they're also going to lose a lot of games that they're supposed to lose. All right, here, here, here. But they're, they're, excuse me. I think they're going to benefit a lot from being in the NFC East. Well, yeah, because like I said, I have them beating the Giants twice and Washington twice. Right. Like, and But I mean, it just goes to show you, especially with Washington playing the Eagles this last Sunday, they were down and out and came back and ended up winning the game. So who really knows what Eagles team will be there? Who knows what Washington team will be there? Like maybe Ron Rivera. Well, it won't be the Redskins. I'm telling you, I think, no, it won't. (laughs) And rightfully so. But let's, let's go, let's go through my losses then. And we can kind of like analyze and uh, not analyze, but we can talk about like which teams that you think that they'll beat. So the Rams, obviously they lost, but the Falcons and the Seahawks, like I, I think they beat the Falcons. You, uh, now, see, look, here's the thing with the Falcons. I know that the Falcons lost against the Seahawks, but it's if you look at Matt Ryan's numbers, like he really did. He looked really good, like Matt Ryan of old. I know that yeah. he had one interception, but that interception was in garbage time. Like it was right at the end. Matt Ryan was just throwing a Hail Mary towards the end zone, and they got an interception. But Matt Ryan... Went 37 for 54, 450 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. That's still a really, really solid game against a very good Seattle team. Mm-hmm. And then Todd Gurley. They don't have, but they don't have, they don't have the Legion of Boom anymore. They don't have that great pass defense that they used to have. No, no, but see, but no one's gonna have. That's like no one's gonna have that kind of I know, defense. I know. It I'm was like saying, it was I'm, like the Bears of the late 2000s. I, I know. But I'm, I'm just saying it's like. Yes, that is. Those are good numbers, but it's not like he was doing it against Earl Thomas. But are, but are you comparing? Are you comparing the Cowboys' defense this year to the Legion of Boom? Are you saying that next no, next week no. that they'll, that the Cowboys' defense is going to be better than Seattle's? No, I'm not saying. Yeah, that. so that, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the point is, is that they, the they, Cowboys' offense is going to be better than Seattle's. But they but they faced a better defense than the Cowboys. It, and and Vander Esch is injured too. Vander Esch got injured last week too. Okay. So it's so the Cowboys are already down there starting middle linebacker. No, we're not arguing. No, no, I know. I'm just (laughs) I'm just trying to tell you because because it's perfect because it's the it's the next week's game. And uh, Todd Gurley went 14 for 56 with one touchdown, which is not a great game. But he still looked really good. Yes, you didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He left. He left. Uh, the reason why the the Rams let him walk was because he had a less than impressive year last year. Yeah. And you really expect more from Todd Gurley than what he did. Part of that could be contributed to the uh, the Rams offensive line, mm-hmm. but who knows? But Todd Gurley's looking to kind of like reestablish himself in Atlanta. And he, he had a very good game. And the problem is, is that the Cowboys... Uh, last year were 25th in completion percentage uh, with, and now they don't have Byron Jones and you've got all of these receivers that are in Atlanta on top of Todd Gurley too, because they had three receivers yesterday, Julio Jones with 157 yards, Calvin Ridley with 130 yards and two touchdowns. And then Russell Gage with 114 yards. So now you have this impressive passing game that's coming into town 
on top of a really good running game. So who really knows what might happen? But that's why I see them coming down here and really not blowing out the Cowboys, but expect another one, expect another really tight game. And I think that uh, I think Atlanta takes it next week. So that's that's just one of those games that I think that you and I kind of. Uh, uh, you and I kind of disagree on, but you also have you also have Malcolm Brown who had two rushing touchdowns yesterday mm-hmm. for the Rams. Yeah, so that's opening up a lane for Todd Gurley to really have that first monster game to kind of reestablish himself. Is he going to have it against the Cowboys? Who knows? I think that they might just because now that uh, Vander Esch is injured because he's got neck problems before in the past, and you can't you you it's have to. It, they said it was collarbone, but if you look at him on the sidelines, there was none of the raising the arms and making sure they were checking his neck because he's got neck issues. That's the reason why he was injured last year was because of his neck, and whenever he took yeah, the but hit, if you have he was neck like issues this. and you injure something close to your neck, of course they're going to check your neck. Yeah, but they weren't checking anything with his collarbone while he was on the sidelines. Anyway. So it's to me, it seemed like it was a neck injury. I know that they said collarbone, but it's kind of like in hockey, you say an upper body injury. But if you break your jaw, like, you know, it's your jaw. And but they still have to call it an upper body injury. It's the same thing with the Cowboys here. They're trying to establish that it's not as serious as it might be. So that way, Atlanta might think that Van Der Esch is going to be playing. I don't think he will be because I think that you have to take neck issues very seriously. And it looked like to me from the replays, it looked like it was a neck so, but I I don't know. I wasn't there. So we've got the we got the Cowboys not starting off on the best foot possible, but there's still it's very early. There's still a lot of optimism. I still have the Cowboys making the playoffs. I just don't see them going any further than just simply making it, just because they have the added benefit of playing in the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't see them. Making a deep run in the playoffs. I haven't getting bounced out in the first round by a wild card team too. Durbin missed the whole first part. <laughs> That's okay. It seems like that it's worth missing. Yeah, and Yan marks in the box. For, oh, with oh yeah, it's a four good, on four so for a good reason. You missed all of that. But anyway, uh, speaking of, that's a good segue. Let's because uh, are we we're about done with. Cowboys yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that's, right, so. that's 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 all I've got. That's just my predictions. <clears throat> oh, and if you want to make like a bold prediction, I feel like, and this is going to be one of those things that I think a lot of people are going to be, what are you talking about, man? I can see Andy Dalton becoming the starting quarterback this year. I know that Dak Prescott had all these monster numbers, and everyone is all talking about how great Dak Prescott is. I could see him not buying into Mike McCarthy's system and Mike McCarthy taking exception to that, benching Prescott, putting in Andy Dalton, especially for the week that they end up playing the Bengals. I think that if you want to talk about bold predictions, I think Andy Dalton's the starter by the time they play the Bengals. Will he deserve it? Probably not, but I can see Mike McCarthy being so full of himself now that he doesn't have this prima donna quarterback who everyone is on the side of the quarterback rather than the head coach because all anyone has ever wanted was Jason Garrett to be fired. So now he's fired. You got Mike McCarthy. We're going to listen to this coach. And I think that Mike McCarthy would be, he is bold enough to make that move if Dak Prescott doesn't listen to him and doesn't buy into the system. I mean, yeah, I could see that. I don't think that means he becomes the quote-unquote starter. I think he gets a start. 
but but yeah, sure. Oh, I, I'm telling you, I, I I could see I could see it happening. And I so, mean, I, yeah, I could see it happening too when you put it like that. <laughs> so, who really knows? It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting season, just like it always is with the Cowboys. At least neither one of us have them going eight and eight. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, so the Dallas Stars tonight have a chance to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since the year 2000. They play Vegas tonight in Game Five, and they have a commanding three to one series lead. I know that against Colorado, they had a 3-1 series lead, and they ended up blowing that game and Game 6, and they go into Game 7 and obviously win to advance. And I think that that was probably the best thing that could have happened to the Stars because they know really what a good team, because Calgary had that push. They went up 3-0, but then they just crumbled and gave up 7 unanswered. But whenever they faced Colorado, that team wasn't as weak-minded as Calgary was because you could just sense it in their body language that it was just going to be done that night. But Colorado comes out and goes up 5-0 in the first period, chases Ben Bishop out of the net. And I think that that's something that Dallas really will use to their advantage tonight, and I see him taking this game. I see them winning tonight. So you do too. Yes, of course, because I think the, the 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 defining moment of that of this series is going to be that five on three where they had a minute and ten oh, seconds man. and didn't get anything from it. Sergey Zubov is very very critical of teams that get forty five seconds or longer and can't score. If you go forty five seconds or longer in a five on three and can't score, you don't deserve to win that game. And I think that Hudobin is in their heads. Oh, he is. He absolutely he is. is. He's he's Dimco 2.0. Dude, no, dude. Dimco no, 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 wishes no, he no, was but what, I, but what I'm saying is there were Vegas struggled, excuse me, last series to score on Dimco. And it's kind of a similar thing because Dimco wasn't the starter. Hudobin isn't the he's the one, you know, he's one not B. the number 2, he's the 1B. You and know see, what I mean? And one and 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 so I think Vegas is thinking like, okay, well, you know, it's the it's their second guy. Like they're not gonna have you know. I guess they. I don't know if they're just not paying attention to how good Hudobin has been all year. Led the league in save percentage. Yeah, but but it's it's one of those things where it's just it's too, it's eerily similar. That yes, Dimco. I mean, he no. There's no Dimco was like D- legit unknown. No yeah, one knew this guy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, unless you live in Vancouver. But like uh, Pete. Oh, uh, who's their coach's name? DeBoer? Yeah, Pete DeBoer for Vegas. Uh, He he even said, like, in their locker room, they had a term for it. Like, they called it getting dim code, where it's like, uh, we're not expecting this guy to be so tough, and, oh, he's shutting us out. Dude, I'm telling you, Hudobin is, and it's so funny, because one thing that I have to really be apologetic for was last week, I said, you can't ride Anton Hudobin to a Stanley Cup. I think that you were I, expecting him to drop off. At some I know, point. I know. And once again, it, it's not done. They haven't done jack shit. They still have to beat Vegas one more time, which will not be an easy feat. No, but I don't see them dropping three in a row to Vegas, which is what Vegas is going to have to do. I think even if they lose tonight, which I don't expect them to do, I think that even if they lose tonight, like there's like there's just no way that they're going to be able to crack Hudobin. For that, mi- three, for that for, many, for that games, many games, I know it's just no. it just seems like too much. There's just, there, there's there's a rumor out there that's talking about the Dallas Stars trading Ben Bishop, and we can we can talk about that after the game. But we're gonna go ahead and 
call it quits here for now. We're gonna pause. We're gonna pause and watch the game because we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch the game because it's on right now, and we're gonna see what happens, and then we'll come back and we'll record for the stars and where they stand because I've got hopefully a Stanley Cup, which which is hopefully a Stanley Cup berth. We will be right back after all of this, and uh, we've got some numbers to discuss. My uh, how unimpressed I am with Robin Leonard, and hopefully we'll be talking about a future matchup with the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though that series isn't done yet, but it's fucking done. So for now, we'll stop, and then we'll be back in just a moment, and we'll be discussing the stars a little bit more. Swing it. All right, so y'all just heard our reaction to what was the Western Conference final clinching goal from uh, Giryanov, or as you like to call him, Skorianov. Fucking a right. I can't take credit for it either. I stole it from uh, Gruber. Oh, did you really? Yeah, on Twitter. He calls him Skorianov. Well, it it (laughs) works in so many different ways. It's so appropriate. Let's just say that uh, this is one of those moments that... Dallas Stars fans are going to remember forever because even though it's it's such a shame because there are no fans in the stands and I just, even still with yeah. this game it wouldn't even be in front of the Dallas fans it would have been in front of Vegas but you know Dallas fans would have been there and there would have been like this great they they had these um they had these shots that they were showing on NBC where it was at the American Airlines Center and there were fans that were just going nuts after uh they tied it at 2 uh, as soon as he tied it at two, uh, they, they had these shots of them, but you know, it would just be so much better to see the stars fans at Texas live after they clinched against Nashville, even though last year Nashville was at home, but they still had all these fans that couldn't go to the game yeah. and just mm-hmm. at Texas live. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And it's, it, it's for everything that's going on and it's so great right now. It really is a shame that there's no video out there of like large groups of people really celebrating and coming together in a moment that really is this beautiful that we haven't seen in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to come up with words really. Cause it's, it, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's been 20 years. Like I remember being a kid and, uh, and watching, watching game six of the 99, you know, a Stanley cup playoffs. And we watched a lot of hockey that year, for somebody who's you know no nobody in my fan nobody in my family is really big hockey fans and we watched like every game that year and uh it, it just yeah it's just crazy that it's like it's sitting in that it's been that long you know what i mean for a lot of a lot of uh a lot of sports <clears throat> and i guess a lot of cities in hockey they don't go that long you know what i mean like I know there's been a lot of droughts, and of course, you know, the Cubs, it's been, you know, or it had been like 116 years, but since they won a Stanley Cup, and I'm not saying we're winning, but we're going. Dude, it's, and they're, they're in such a perfect 
perfect situation right now because they're in. It's done. There's no more of this. Well, they've got to tackle this opponent that's been a favorite in the Western Conference, not just against Dallas, but in the Western Conference for so long. And now they're done. It's finished. And now they just sit back and watch the game tomorrow. They know now that whenever they sit back and they watch Tampa Bay, New York, if Tampa Bay wins, then two days from that day, they're going to be able to play Tampa Bay for this first game of the Stanley Cup Finals. If New York wins, then there's going to be a day of rest and then another game, and that's more rest for the Stars. And that that's why winning tonight was so huge and so pivotal because even if Tampa Bay wins tomorrow night, they still have a game, uh, not a game, but they have a day in hand over Tampa Bay and they'll be they'll they'll be on 3 days rest whenever they'll be on just or they'll be on 2 days rest whenever they'll whenever Tampa Bay will be on 1 days rest. But Vegas is gone. Vegas is out of the bubble. Everyone's top pick to win the Stanley Cup, not just the Western Conference and then before that it was Colorado. Uh, they were a lot of people's pick to win the Stanley Cup. And then before that, it was Dallas is not going to get past Calgary. They have too much talent and Mm-hmm. Every single series, it's been one after another, and the dominoes have just fallen. Dude, it's like I was saying last week, man. Like the stars, like you don't, you look at them, they don't look like they're going to be completely dominant in one area. But what they've showed over and over again in the playoffs, I mean, look at all three series. All three series look completely different. They look completely different. People are like, oh well, you're not going to put up five against. Uh, against vegas okay cool we're gonna hold them to two three you know except for that one game and you can't sit there and say that this has been an issue for vegas for throughout the stint of the playoffs like against chicago they were putting up points they beat them in five against vancouver they were putting up goals until thatcher demko stepped in and got in the way and you can't sit there and say that Thatcher Demko and Anton Hudobin are the same goalie because they're not. Thatcher Demko was very unknown, uh, and and not a whole lot of people had a lot of scouting reports on this guy. Like I don't care if Hudobin was the one B guy for Dallas, he still played a lot during the regular season. He led the league in save percentage at nine thirty. So yeah. it's not like he came out of nowhere. A lot of the media wants to sit there and say that, oh, well, Anton Hudobin, we haven't seen whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm, he's like a nobody. But no, he wasn't. He was he was leading the league in save percentage. Like, I, I can't emphasize that enough. It, it, he's been there, done it, yeah. and he's been consistently winning. And Ben Bishop was top three <clears throat> in goals allowed. And then Anton Hudobin was up there too. I can't. I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but let's go ahead and, as fun as it is to kind of look forward, let's take a second and look back and yeah. let's look at this Vegas series as a whole. Most especially, I want to look at Robin Leonard. But before we kind of the supposedly superior goalie, I, dude, we'll 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 get into those numbers. <laughs> like we're gonna dissect the fuck out of those numbers. But for now, let's go ahead and just talk about the series as a whole. Yep. So you had game one 
that was won by Dallas, one nothing. All Dallas, wall to wall. Easily the domination. number one game of this series. So if you want to kind of rank them, like their yes, best game of the playoffs. They, I mean, I'm telling you, it was Dallas Stars hockey. This was Dallas Stars as we have known them all year long. They get a lead and they choke the life out of you. I don't care what the NBC announcers were saying the whole time that Vegas was tired. If they were, fuck it because. Dallas was tired too. I don't care what anybody says because they played a game 7-2 right before Vegas did, and that game went into overtime. I know Vegas didn't get a chance to score until 6-0-4 or something like that remaining in the third period and whenever they finally beat Thatcher Demko, and they didn't go into overtime, and they won 3 nothing. But, but I know it was close. But, but Vancouver got like, what, 13 shots? Dude, that was it. Half of them were in the... In the third period, when they if you already want had me to give you the exact game, numbers, a multiple goal lead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to walk over you, but no, yeah, no, you're I know, fine. I know. It's I'm just, just, yeah, it's just. Like, if you want the exact numbers of that game, stand by. Please don't say. Stand by. <laughs> I will quit two episodes in. It was. 15 goals. 15. Oh, no, no, 17. 17 shots on goal that 17 game. 17 shots on goal. And so it's just like Leonard just was not even tested at all. And so, it. oh, no. Sorry. Once again, it was 14. It was 14 because that was game seven. That was that one. So Leonard yeah. wasn't even tested in that game. So if you yeah. want to talk. And, and then he didn't even start game one. That wasn't even Leonard that was in net for game one. It was Marc-Andre Fleury. So Leonard had tons of rest, never really was ever tested, and that's what everyone was saying Andre going Fleury into this. Was like he that was his first start uh, it, uh, since the first series, right? No, he played game four against Vancouver. Okay, Fleury played against game four uh, in game four against Vancouver, <clears throat> but still, I mean, he hadn't played since game four. He was rested. Yeah, of course. And so he, did, uh, Robin Leonard, wasn't even tested in game seven. Comes in game one, doesn't even play, and then comes in in game two. He does get the shutout, but you don't ever hear that. The, during game two, you never heard the announcers at all say like, yeah, Leonard played great, but he didn't play game one, only saw 14 shots on goal. Leonard was rested, and he was ready because in game two, he stopped 24 of 24. Is that a lot? No, it's not, but it's more than what he's seen in since game three against Vancouver whenever he stopped 31 of 31. So Leonard has been great. His numbers technically have been better if you want to go by save percentage and goals allowed against. But he has not seen nearly the amount of volume of shots that Hudobin has. But once again, we'll get into that in a second. So game one easily was the best game for the Stars yeah. in the Western Conference Final because you get that goal on the first shot of the game and then you don't fucking relinquish it. Like they did it's, such a good job of just playing lockdown, shutout hockey. It was the only game where they looked like the better team the entire time. See, I would disagree with that and we'll get in that in a second. We dissected game one plenty in the last week's episode. Yeah. So in game two, that was the game that the Stars came out and... The first period, nothing, nothing. Second period is whenever Vegas just went off and they got those three goals and then they never relinquished that lead, but yet they never scored in the third period either. I would say that the Stars were the better team in that game. There are so many people that sit there and say that Vegas came out and they imposed their will. What I think happened was is that there was a game in the first period the game was controlled by Dallas, and they it pl they played right into Dallas's hand, and it was nothing, nothing at the very end. And then they just so happened to crack Hudobin in that game in the second period, and 
they never really got a well, chance to look back. Because the penalty. Well, yeah, of course, penalty because shot. because Klingberg had a penalty early in that game, and yeah. they never were able to like get their footing underneath them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the Stars had a bad game. The Stars still played a good game. It just wasn't a 60-minute game. There was about a 10-minute window there in the second period where it was like goal, goal, goal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then nothing. But that's what I'm saying is that game one was the only one where all 60 minutes, Stars looked like the better team. Yeah, of course. That's what uh, I was saying. Yeah, of course. But if you were to talk to the Stars, they would say that no game that they've played is has been a complete hockey game. But once again, we'll get to that. So then we get to game three. Uh, and that was the game that, uh, hold on. I'm sorry. Cameron is turning pages. Okay. I'm sorry. I know. So, uh, game three, I honestly think that was the Radulov overtime winner game. I think that that was their worst game of the series. I think that it was because the whole time that was the game where every single time that Vegas had it in Dallas's zone, they were pressing. And that was the game that really put Anton Hudobin on the map. I think that game three was honestly their worst game because I was texting you throughout that whole time. And I was sitting there saying that Vegas really had Dallas on their heels. And it really took... Anton Hudobin to win dude, that game. Dude. He was the one that really took over think, in game three. I think that's when they won the series, to dude, be honest. I know. I know. I'm telling you because it's... I mean, they didn't look back. No, of course not. Of course they didn't. They, re- they really stepped up. And, dude, that shot by Alexander Radulov, I know that during the press conference after that game, he was joking around and saying that he closed his eyes and shot it. But it, it, and some stupid reporter came back and he was asking like, well, you said you shot your, you closed your eyes and shot it. And like, what goes through your mind? And <laughs> Radulov comes back and goes, come on, man. Like, I didn't really close my eyes. Like next question. Like it was, <laughs> and so all the guys that were up there were just laughing whenever Radulov said that. But if you watch it, Radulov is coming down and into like at the top of the face-off circle and you can look at him and he fakes like he's going glove side and Leonard bites like crazy and if you watch it in slow motion you can really see him go and then shift just slightly and then take the shot and then hits the bar and then scores and it's just perfect because like unless you slow that replay down you really can't see it but it really was such a phenomenal shot by Radulov because he fakes shifts his stick a little bit and goes to the right and goes against the blocker and just scores and then just ends it in 31 seconds. The second fastest ending to a conference finals in NHL history. Here's the fun thing, though, is that number one... You mean one, a conference final overtime game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A conference final overtime game. Number one was Joe Sackick. Uh, it was Joe Sackett for Colorado. If you say it was against the Stars. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was... <laughs> hold on. I got the numbers here. Uh, uh, it, Joe Sackick scored on May 21st, 2001 in Game 5 against St. Louis for a 2-1 victory. And that was also that was a series clincher. So it was it, like playoff hockey. It could either go forever or it can just end just like that. So, But honestly, like if you're ranking games, I think that... Uh, that game three was probably their worst game, and yet they still took it. So you could honestly make that argument that it's like even though the Stars played the worst game of the series, they still won. Like that was it. <laughs> well, the, that's the thing is the Stars 
the whole time, they only needed to be, quote unquote, the better team for about 10 minutes a game. Of course. About 10 minutes a game. Look at look at the last 10 minutes of this game. Dude, I know. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So the final thing that we can kind of talk about is I honestly think is their second best game of the series and that was game four and a lot of people want to sit there and say like oh well the stars didn't score until like over halfway through the second period and they only had six goals at the time and everyone wants to give Anton Hudobin credit during that game and I get why you would Mm -hmm. I honestly get why you would but if you truly watch it and Vegas really addressed it tonight but if you go back and watch game four look at all the saves Anton Hudobin had to make he no one was in front of him ever like and Vegas was limited to shots on the perimeter. So there was no one in front of Hudobin. All the shots were coming from the outside. I think that they maybe had like four or five shots from the slot or like little like jam mm-hmm. shots that they had like right there on top of the crease. But really everything else was kind of stereotypical for not stereotypical, but was like um uh, just like a formality. was routine was yeah. routine for Anton Hudobin like he had he had some he really did play out of his mind and he has the whole series but that game four that was a team dynamic game I mean Haskinen had a chance of um whenever Shea Theodore was trying to come in through and try and get into the slot Haskinen just kind of just jammed at it and just kept along the boards it went up top because Shea Theodore was trying to pass it out to uh Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Mark Stone. Mark Stone tried to pass it out to Shea Theodore, missed it, and Jamie Benn got in front of Shea Theodore and really kind of set the tone for that game right there on that first shift. And, uh, I like, I'm telling you, man, like, it just it just seemed like that Jamie Benn really took over this series. I know that Anton Hudobin's going to be the story, and everyone's going to want to talk about Anton Hudobin, and rightfully so, but Jamie Benn was the one that really kind of took over. And so... Whenever you want to really talk about how the Stars played, and especially tonight, the Stars have the best power play of any team left in this series. It's over 24% that's left in the bubble. It's a vulgar display of power It play. is the most vulgar display of power play that you can probably have right now. And that's the one that, that was the difference tonight. The la, the the game that tied it or the the goal the that tied it and the goal that won it. They were all fucking power play goals. Both on the power play. Dude, it explains why uh, the refs didn't give Dallas a whole lot of power plays. Dude, I'm telling you. Here was the thing. <laughs> is that Pete DeBoer, right before game four, had a comment about the Dallas Stars power, uh, uh, the, like their penalty trouble. Mm-hmm. He sits there and he talks about how that um, they are playing a team that is the most penalized team that's left in the bubble. And they know that they just got to keep playing their game and they'll get their shots and they'll get their power plays. What what refs like to do typically in series is they make sure, it, it, even it, to hell with series, but games even, yeah. they like to make sure that the power plays are even. I don't know what the numbers are after game three, but I have the numbers up until then. Vegas had 14 power plays. Dallas had five. 
Like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's one of those things that you hear that, and it's, like, that's not even. I don't care what it is and who it is, but most of the time whenever refs are playing games and they, like, one team gets a penalty and then they get a second penalty against them, refs like to kind of look for calls that may or may not be a little ticky-tacky, but they want to make sure that they're calling games evenly. Right. And I don't know, I'm not one of those fans, and you can't be one of those fans that sit there and says, like, oh, the refs have a vendetta against us. No, 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 that's... That's not that's not what I meant either. I was But dude, I'm telling you, like in game four, there was a penalty on Tyler Sagan where his stick was it it wasn't even on the ice. It was around his legs, and Sagan was even looking the other way, and fucking Marchiso just falls. He just falls. And I'm telling you, Pete DeBoer knew that, and they said, Hey, if there's ever a stick that's anywhere near your legs, just go down. Just go down. And you can't sit there and be mad at them because they're doing what they need to do to right. win. Yeah. But at the same time, like it's not right that calls like that. Especially there was a high sticking penalty also in against Jamie Benn in game four that was very, very ticky tacky. Like it, it like during the regular season, absolutely you'll call that penalty. In the playoffs, no, keep playing. And then the final example that I like to that I want to use on that was there was there was a moment where um where Pavelski went behind on a player. Where is it? Oh, it's on March so. Once again, uh, Pavelski goes behind March so and hits him from behind. If you see the numbers, you're supposed to stop. Like that's the rule. But whenever he hits him, Marchessault doesn't even go into the boards. He just goes straight to the ice. And what happens is, is Marchessault gets up and cross-checks Pavelski in the back. Mm-hmm. And Pavelski doesn't even go into the boards, but they call it on Marchessault because of the retaliation. But that is textbook hockey of getting the refs on your side. Most times, they get the person that retaliates and not the person who initiates it. But I would even sit there and say, like, don't call that penalty on Marcheseau. It's not like he cross-checked him into the boards. He gets up and he cross-checks him. And if the ref doesn't call it, which they normally wouldn't during a playoff series, what that says is it's like, Joe, you, you're not going to be able to manipulate us. You can't sit there and cross-check and then take a penalty and then we're going to just get on your side. Like, that's not the way that it is. Like, you cross-check and then someone retaliates. Of course they're going to retaliate because it's playoff hockey. Fucking play on. And so it, like it like the refs in the Western Conference Finals to me seemed like that they were letting the players dictate the game instead of the refs allowing the game to dictate itself. So that was just my main problem. And so it's not just the lack of penalties called for Dallas, but it was also the other way where Dallas got a call where I don't think that they should have. Was it a penalty? Yes, but don't call something like that. If they cross-check them into the boards and they go face first, of course, that's player safety. But if you're going to cross-check someone after they're trying to deliberately cross-check them beforehand and then get the retaliation call, you're letting the players dictate the 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 play of the game and as an uh, as an NHL referee you've got to let that go yeah. you just have to so here's hoping that this next series against whoever it may be doesn't go that way hopefully they let them play because some of the penalties that they called throughout were just a little ticky tack and I just was not a fan of it and it it really kind of I wouldn't say ruined it but it it, it like it, it it was very unusual to see something like that yeah. <clears throat> So, I, I and once again, I can't 
say, not once again, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I can't say enough about Andrew Cogliano. He was a healthy scratch in the first two games of this series, and I had no idea, and it wasn't until Foxa got hurt that Cogliano was allowed to come back, and that Pavelski goal was, uh, like, it would not have happened without Cogliano, and you look at something like that, and you're just like, hey, this is what we missed about this guy. Like, yeah. you, like the like last week's podcast, we talked about the FCC line. Yeah. There was no second C, so Jamie Benn had to come in, so it was the FCB line. Right. But whenever, as soon as Cogliano steps back on the ice, dude, he is instantly a game changer and without Cogliano there is no Pavelski goal and without Pavelski's goal there's probably no comeback just because that little flutter of a shot that went over Leonard's glove like it and that was not Leonard's fault that was just fluky but those are the kind of goals that you need during the Stanley Cup playoffs in order to win games and win series and they got a they got a couple they got a bunch what was the game that uh Radulov had where it went (laughs) off like it went up off his leg off off his shoulder shoulder. and went in against Colorado like those are the games (laughs) those are the games are those are the goals that you see and you're just like those are the ones that you fucking have to have man and you even text me and said that that's a very Radulov goal this is the most Radulov goal dude I know that one wasn't scored by Radulov, so it's it's it's. I'm telling you, man, it's 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 such a beautiful thing, and it's it's so funny because regardless how you view this team and whether they win the cup or not, which by the way, I would like to fully admit that I had no belief in the stars in this series last week. Or I the last series, I said, or the last series I said, after they beat Calgary, I sat back and was like, I'm going to enjoy this because I don't think it's going to get any better than this. And then after they won against Colorado in game seven, I was like, dude, and I, on the record on the podcast, I said that Vegas was going to win in six. They, did, they didn't even need six games to no. make it happen. I said, I said the Dallas, I said the start, the Dallas <laughs> I said the stars were going to win in seven. They didn't need it. Dude, they didn't. As, I'm not, I know. As soon as the Stars won Game Four, like instantly, I was, was wrong. Like, I was like, "Yep, yep." And so that's 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 fine, man. But I'm just telling you, it's it's one of those things that I think that the Golden Knights ran into a team that was far and a like head and shoulders above the teams that they had played beforehand. And according to, I can't remember his name, but the guy who reports for Las Vegas on the athletic, mm-hmm. he wrote an article that said that the Vegas golden Knights have the easiest path to the cup in NHL history. The stars were their toughest opponent and they were only ranked number 10th in the entire NHL Chicago under normal circumstances, the only reason why they made the playoffs in the first place was because of the play-in round. Right, like they yeah. had to. Same thing with Vancouver. At the end of the season, like they they were on the outside looking in, but they won their play-in series, and then they beat St. Louis, and that's that's no easy task. Just Jordan Bennington was off, and then they had to try and go through Jake Allen, and Jake Allen just couldn't couldn't do what needed to be done. So Vancouver wouldn't have even been in the so they run into the Dallas Stars who would have made the playoffs if the season would have ended at that moment. Far better team offensively, far mm. better team defensively than any one of those teams. So Vegas kind of had the red carpet rolled out for them. And whenever whenever push came to shove and it came time to really win. They couldn't do it. They ran into a, quite frankly, they they ran into a better team. On paper, is Vegas better? Yes. 
But really, the Stars had a tougher road. Yeah. They had a tougher road to the Western Conference Finals. They did, yeah. And that prepared them for a hard-fought, grinding series. Yeah, I mean, they just come off of two hard-fought, grinding series, and uh, I think that's really what gave them the grit, because at this point, it really did look like Dallas came in swinging and Vegas wasn't ready. And, and Vegas Vegas was never really tested. Leonard wasn't tested. Stone wasn't tested. Pacioretty wasn't tested. But None of them were until they faced Thatcher Demko. But that doesn't mean that the, the defense of Vancouver was able to step up and really make a difference because of uh, – because look at the shots on goal that – Vegas had compared to what uh, Vancouver had. Like it's just far and above. Uh, it, 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 it was such a huge difference that it was like, this is weird, like video game numbers. Like you don't see that. And then the stars were able to kind of capitalize and uh, not capitalize, but they were able to, they were able to close that gap mm-hmm. and Vegas didn't know mm-hmm. what to do with themselves. I was just going to point out that Mark Stone looks like a Disney villain. Yeah. <laughs> He only, he dude. He only he looks like a Disney villain with that playoff beard because they were showing pictures of him that, like, before, like, like before the season started, and it was, it was his face clean shaven. Oh, okay. He looks more like like a Disney hero without the beard, but then you put the beard on him, and then it's like Q and evil laugh. <laughs> That's how you do an evil laugh. <laughs> the last thing that I kind of want to, because of course. Who knows who the stars are going to play? Odds are it's going to be Tampa Bay. And um, we'll we'll kind of dive into that here after I get into this. But I put in just humble brag here. I did a lot of work last night to put up numbers because I never truly was impressed with Robin Leonard. Especially like through... This series, it just seemed like to me that too many people were stroking him off that really didn't need to. And I've I've put in some numbers here, and I've got Leonard's numbers and Kudobin's numbers. So, (laughs) are you laughing at me? No, 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 I'm laughing. Michael Gruber tweeted seven minutes ago. So how am I supposed to go to sleep when I still have this raging binner? <laughs> Groobs, I really hope you that you listen to this one day. We fucking love you here, man. <laughs> All right. So here are Hudobin's numbers. Or, I'm sorry. Here are let's let's start with Leonard. Here are Leonard's numbers. Throughout the playoffs. Against Chicago, the most shots he had to face was 27, and that was game three in a 2-1 win. Against Vancouver, the most shots he had to face was 31, and that was a 31-save shutout for Leonard. But Fleury played the next game, and then against Dallas, the most shots that he had to face was 26, and that was tonight. He had never seen more shots than that against Dallas. If you want to go against Hudobin, the most shots he had to face against Calgary, 40. The most shots he had to face against Colorado, 44. The most shots he had to face against Vegas was 40. And that 40-shot game against Vegas was the overtime game, the 38-40 to shutout. That was 950 save percentage. If you want to go by numbers, of course, Leonard had better, had better numbers. It was a 918 against Chicago, 
934 against Vancouver and a 914 against Dallas. And Hudobins was a 908 against Calgary and 899, which is, if you want to kind of have like a Mendoza line for hockey, 900 save percentage is kind of the number that you want to go off of. So it was less than impressive against Colorado, but his team was able to bail him out. And then it was 950 against Vegas. 950 against Vegas. That's why like this was Hudobin's coming out party. This was the national media's Hudobin's coming out party. But here's one last little thing that I want to kind of talk about here. Anton Hudobin against Chicago was 205 for 228 for the 899 save percentage. So that was over seven games against one team, which was the sixth high, the sixth highest scoring playoff series in NHL history. Robin Leonard didn't have to face 205 shots. Or no, I'm sorry. He didn't have to face 228 shots until game six against Vancouver. For his 19 of 22 with an 864 loss to Va- to Vancouver on their fifth shot of the game. So that was the amount of shots that Hudobin faced against Colorado. He faced 205 shots against uh, 205. He had 205 saves against Colorado. Uh, Leonard didn't have to make that many saves until the 14th shot of game five in a two to one loss against Vancouver. And that's with flurry playing game four beforehand. So you want to sit there and talk about Robin Leonard and how great he looked. And everyone wants to say that he's the number one free agent goalie. I don't fucking think so. Not anymore, man. Like Anton Hudobin is also an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. And I think that he has now solidified himself. I think that during the Colorado series, he solidified himself, but no one else was allowing that to happen. Everyone was focusing on Robin Leonard for some reason because Marc-Andre Fleury's agent was picking on him. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just, I never was impressed with Leonard. He might have better numbers, but he didn't face nearly as many shots as Anton Hudobin has. And now Anton Hudobin is moving on and Robin Leonard is going to be watching the Stanley Cup finals from his house. Yeah. But the real question is, Do you think they call him Dobie because of copyright <laughs> stuff? From uh, Yes, I do. I don't think they call him Dobby. I think they call him Dobie because of copyright reasons. So, okay. So, <laughs> for that's that's all that I have to say about the the uh the Vegas series because now that's behind done. them. It's done. They're on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Here's hoping that New York can win tomorrow night so that way they have to at least play one more game so Dallas can get a little bit of rest. But all signs, excuse me, all signs are pointing to a Vegas <laughs> uh, All signs are pointing to, <laughs> they're pointing to a Vegas New York Islanders exit to the bubble and go. Dallas and Tampa Bay nice will be playing save. for the cup. Fucking a right. You look like uh Dobie on that. <laughs> it doesn't actually, have to be pretty, but it fucking works. Actually, you look more like Leonard. 
So all signs are pointing to a Tampa Bay-Dallas Stanley Cup final. And you know that Tampa Bay with Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Victor motherfucking Hedman, uh, those guys are going to be out and ready to go because they should have won a cup last year because that team set historical numbers just to get swept by Columbus in the first round of the playoffs. So you know that that will always be on their mind throughout this entire postseason run, and that's not going to change. Just because they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals does not mean that this team is not going to be hungry. And this is going to be a tough team to contain. It really will be. And I I don't think that it's too asinine to think that we can kind of predict what the Stanley Cup Final will be like against Tampa Bay. And I, like, once again... I hate to do this. I hate to do this, but I think that the Stars lose to Tampa Bay in seven. I think that I, I mean I, at this point, if you said that they were going to win, they were going to lose. So. I do. I know it's, but see, but if I honestly think that, and I hate it whenever people are like, "Oh, well, this team's a team of destiny." Stop saying that. Stop saying that because destiny is the biggest load of horse shit that you can ever fucking have in anything because it means that there's no point in working for anything. If you if, if there's it's ever a different, destiny different podcast. I understand I no, I understand. I understand it's a different podcast, but still, you can't sit there and say that they're a team of destiny because it completely um uh, takes away all the hard work that this team has had to do and all the adversity that they've had to overcome with losing Jim Montgomery, with playing in the uh, uh, the uh, the Winter Classic, dealing with fucking COVID and the bubble and everything, always being the underdog. Like, the only way that the Stars won't be an underdog is if Vegas... Uh, Vegas God damn, man. If, uh, if New York can somehow come back and beat Tampa Bay in seven, and I don't see it happening. So that means they're coming into another series where they're going to be the underdog. And so it's so hard for me to sit there and say that, well, the Stars are just going to persevere and just get through it again because on paper, on paper, Tampa Bay is a better team. Andre Vasilevsky is a better goaltender than Anton Hudobin. Not Robin Leonard better than Anton Hudobin because Robin Leonard clearly was not the better goaltender because they lost. But Andre Vasilevsky, on paper and in presence, is the far and superior goaltender. There's a reason why that they let Ben Bishop walk so that way Leonard, uh, Leonard so that way Vasilevsky could be in net and take over for this team, and he has proven that he can do it. And it's just going to be hard for a team that is very defensively focused to score enough goals on Vasilevsky to beat a team that has Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point and Victor Hedman on those teams. And it's just, it's, 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 uh, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, like all those guys, it's not going to be an easy series and it's going to be hard. And if it can go to a game seven, I would love to see that. And the only reason why I'm picking star or the, the only reason why I'm picking Tampa Bay in seven is because I just see the stars fighting and making it a series. They're, they're not going to get swept. They're not going to be, they're not going to be beaten in five. They're going to find a way to win three games against this team. It's just going to be hard for them to win four. And I just, I just don't see it happening. And that's, that's going to be such a shame if it does happen. And I swear to Christ, I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know as much about hockey and, and all that, but it's basically the same spiel that I had last week, man. Like 
I get it. I get it. At what Tampa Bay does, they are better. But Dallas doesn't have to just beat you at your game. Because if they get the lead, now you have to play their game. And that's why defense wins championships, right? Okay, cool. They uh, Tampa Bay can come out and they can score and blah, blah, blah. Dallas has really, really good defense. And if Dallas gets behind, they've shown, you know, not necessarily against uh, a goalie at the level of Vasilevsky, but they've shown if they need to, they can put they can put pucks in the net. So I I personally Are you gonna call for a cup clincher? Like are you gonna say that the stars are gonna win the cup? Ah, uh, see, the baseball player in me is like, don't do it. No, but see, but you're not. But see, this is one of those things where you're just making predictions here. So if you really feel like that the stars can do it, like I, obviously, I feel like that the stars can do it because if I didn't, I if you I didn't, like I wouldn't. They have, can, but you don't feel like they will. I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have picked them to lose in seven. If I, if I honestly didn't think that they would, that they could beat this team, I would have picked like five or six. And that's why I picked Vegas in six, because I just I just didn't see them being able to contain that team. But they did. They did. So if anything, like my confidence has grown in this team and what they can do in containing like high offensively gifted teams. This is just one of those teams that, oh, my God, like you look at them on paper and this is a scary team. This is a really scary team. So once again, I ask. Are you calling like do you think that the stars are gonna win the cup in this series? Fuck it. Do it. Yeah. I got him in six. In six? Whoa. I got him in six. Wouldn't that just be fantastic? Very reminiscent of 1999. Triple overtime. Triple overtime. Against a, a Ty- team, oh, but see, Tyler but that, Sagan with his foot in the crease. Oh my God! Good thing that's not a rule anymore. <laughs> so it's it's just such a beautiful thing, man. Look for look for Jamie Ben, look for Jamie Ben to continue his dominance. I'm telling you, everyone loves to talk about Haskinen as they should because he is that good. And Kiviranta, dude, the stars are going to be good. But Jamie Ben, dude, Jamie Ben has constantly come through for this team in the Colorado series against this team tonight. He scored that first goal. He scored that first goal that wasn't even on the power play, but he got him going against Colorado. Three goals, six assists. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that he had a monster series against Vegas. Yeah. Jamie Ben is constantly reminding us just how good he is. And I'm telling you, Jamie Ben for the con Smythe. Yeah. Like I like it's Haskinen's kind of being forgotten now with how good Anton Hudobin was in uh in this series against Vegas. But I'm telling you, Jamie Ben needs to be that con Smythe winner. Regardless what happens in this series against Tampa Bay. If the Stars end up winning, it's got to be Jamie Benn just because he's earned it. He's shown that he's earned it. Maybe oh, yeah. like not just with points, but with passion and drive and motivation. He, it's not just like I think I think he did lead the the team in goals in that uh, in the series against Vegas. Dude, it wouldn't but, it wouldn't surprise me at all, because right now but, he's fourth in goals on the team. He's third in assists 
and he's second in points total, only right. behind Miro Haskinen. But what I was what I was getting at is like, yeah, he, he was leading the team in in scoring, but he was also just leading the team in general. You know what I mean? Like he was doing what captains should do. When game two, when he came out, like he took Ryan Reeves' head off. And he like everybody knew that's exactly what he was trying to do, and he did it. You know what I mean? He sent the message. What happened to Ryan Reeves? He disappeared for games three and four. I got the numbers here in front of me. So right now, he is fourth on the team in goals, but that's because Pavelski has nine, Garyanov and Radulov have eight. So they're tied for two. So Jamie Benn, I guess, technically is third on the team. I don't know how you want to look at that. It's fourth. Technically, he's fourth, but he's... One goal behind the two guys that are respectively tied tied for second. He is third on the team in assists. One point behind Klingberg with 10. And then on the team, he is second in points total with 17. And he uh, trails Miro Haskinen, who has 22. So it's... I, like, I'm telling you, man, like, with that 99 cup run, I love Joe Newendike. I think that he was a terrible GM, but for as a player, oh yeah, he really looked great in that first series against Edmonton in 99, and he looked decent in that second series in 99, but really, he never kind of broke out after that, and I think that Ed Belfour should have been the one that won the con smite that year because he was so consistent so the good. whole time and he really like ed belfort it, there's a reason why he is in the hall of fame yeah and it would have been nice to see ed belfort he got that cup he was constantly that player that people were looking at him being like yes he's a great goalie but you can never count on him to win and whenever they finally win game seven against colorado in dallas eddie's better you know like that that, that was so iconic and that was that moment where ed belfort took that next step Here's where Jamie Benn is taking that next step. Here's that moment where Jamie Benn is saying, like, get on my back, motherfuckers. Like, we're going to fucking do this. I don't care about my legacy. I don't care about how good I look. Fuck the Art Ross trophy. I don't want to win that. I want to win a cup. I want to bring a cup back to Dallas. I want to be the person that people look at me and say, you led this team to a cup. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It's not as simple as just Jamie Ben leading. It's everyone that's following his lead. Oh yeah, and everyone's buying into it. Oh man. yeah, because I mean, you look at the you look at the '99 playoff run, and you had you had Madonna, you had Newendike, you had Brett Hall, you had Jamie Langenbrunner, Darian Hatcher, you know Daryl Sador, uh, Zubov. You had all those guys. I see a lot of parallels though in this team and that team as far as mm. the pieces that you have. Mm. You know what I mean? There see, are a lot of parallels. See, I see. I like there are. There I'm not, are I'm obviously, not, I'm not, but, but I, I, and I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying like oh that means that the stars are going to win. I'm saying like if you look at it, that's obviously the best team the stars have ever put together. Oh, dude, hands down, man. If and, that stars team played this stars team right now, they'd kill them. And but look at this stars team. It's younger. Oh yeah, of it's course. A lot but younger. Not but see, but the people that are really kind of capitalizing with the exception of Garyanov, it's all those wily veterans that are with the exception of Garyanov and Haskinen, like it's the veterans who are really coming through. But see, but back then Haskinen, it was the same thing. It was Giriana, it was all the veterans Kiviranta. that kind of came. I mean, yeah. Kiviranta had the hat trick and the big goal tonight. 
He had like he had his moments where he throughout this playoff run he's had his moments. How many games has he played? No, I know, I know, I understand. I understand. No, I understand. (laughs) I understand, and he has earned every single minute that he has played. This team is younger. You are absolutely right, but I still think that the with Pavelski and Corey Perry and Jamie Jamie Ben Tyler Sagan Anton Hudobin those are veterans now. Like they're not those young players anymore. That. that they that we've always kind of looked at them being yeah. like they're they're now those wily old veterans. Sagan's won a cup, and so like those are the kind of guys you kind of look to your veterans here, and you have to have that veteran presence in order to really truly move on and make a deep run like this. But you are right, like this team is younger, and it gives you a lot of hope for the it gives you a lot of hope for the future, but especially for the more immediate future, it gives you a lot of hope. Right. It's so it's so hard to look at this team and say, like, look, we fucking doubted you this whole time. How can we doubt you now? And here I am still doubting them. And I hate it. But at least I'm picking them to lose in seven this time. So it's just <laughs> and I hate to be that way. But it's it's just if you look at if you look at Tampa Bay and their team, they're ready, man. Like it's just like that team is ready for a cup. But why the fuck isn't Dallas ready? Why not Dallas? This team is ready to go. Dude, you know what I know? You know what I just realized? Didn't you pick uh, Colorado in five? I think I did, yeah. So you picked Colorado in five. I picked Vegas Vegas in six. And you've picked uh, if if Tampa wins, you picked them in seven. I yeah, uh, dude, I know. And uh, here's here's hoping. Here's fucking hoping that i'm wrong but regardless here's one thing i'm not wrong about you can't sit there and say that vegas was still tired after the vancouver series whenever they get fucking spanked they just got spanked by dallas i didn't mean to yell i'm sorry for anyone who's listening with uh, headphones or whatever but they got spanked by dallas you lose four to one that's dominance, man. That's yeah. not that's not them. That shows, and so you can't shows, sit there and say that the Vegas that was tired. That, yeah, that shows that that second period in game two was a fluke. It was. It was. And I'm telling you, that game two, even though that Dallas was shut out, they still looked better than Vegas did. They just had like a 10-minute window in the second period. I don't even think it was 10 minutes. I think it was like a five-minute window where they just went boom, 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 scored those three goals. And you know what the biggest thing was that was that helped Dallas, I think, really kind of take control of this game? Whenever they went up 3-1 against Colorado— that that next game they, they got in, they, they, they five nothing they got they got spanked five nothing in the first period and that was that game that they lost six to three, and I think that that was the biggest learning moment and they kind of like they 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 took that moment, and they they used that to their advantage and they said hey, this isn't over yet don't let them sit there uh, don't let them come back at us and even though that they did. They still were able to kind of push back a little more, and they kept their composure, and they won Game 5 this time. They had to. They had to win Game 5 because if they were to have dropped it, then the rumors would have started. The media would have been like, well, you did this last time, and who knows what would have happened after that. Don't leave it in the hands of Vegas. You're in control. You take control, and they did tonight, and it was was beautiful. (sighs) Oh. The worst part is now we have to suffer through more hockey, more stressful hockey, dude, <laughs> which is OK, which is fine. But at the same time, I, I just never forget after they won game seven against Colorado and we were talking to your wife about it. And it was like, 
we're not even halfway. Uh, we're, we, we just hit the halfway point. And she was like, we still got more. Yeah, we've got a lot more. But now we've got a lot less at this point. Now, three quarters of the way there. Four games. Four more wins. Four wins. Yeah. Four more wins. You can count one, two, three, four. You can just count that shit in your sleep. So let's fucking make it happen. You don't even have to think about it. You, you see a don't. group before you go. That's four. That's fucking four. And you can just count it and be done with it. Let's make it happen. It's a shame that this has to happen through the COVID thing. But why not Dallas, man? Like, like seriously, all last year I was sitting there saying. Yes, Dallas would be great, but St. Louis kind of has their moment. Like, this is their time, and they they seized it, and they fucking took it. This is Dallas doing the same thing that St. Louis did last year. Why not Dallas? Tampa had their chance. They've had their chance. They won it in 04. Good for them. It's it's time for Dallas to shine here. Yeah. yeah. Kucherov get and some, those guys. some revenge on Maroon. They can wait Fuck Patrick Maroon, man. That's right. He's that's right. He's on that team. Get that revenge. Let's make it happen, dude. It's a it's a very exciting time to be a Dallas Stars fan, and I hope that everyone else is enjoying this just as much as we are. Because who knows? Maybe it's going to be another twenty years before this happens. Maybe it'll be longer. So you have to have to really appreciate this and enjoy it, even if the Stars go down in the Stanley Cup Finals. Don't sit there and get super depressed because you you just have to enjoy this ride while we have it because there's always that chance that the stars might not go down. Mm-hmm. As soon as that puck drops, it's nothing, nothing. Game one, clean sheet. Let's fucking make it happen, man. It's 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 just a super super exciting time and it's beautiful and I just I just I just don't know how else to express it. I don't think there's any other way. I don't think so either. So. We gonna flare it out? I don't know if we should flare it out this time. Woo! See y'all next week. Interesting. <laughs> I gotta get this cat out of my life. <laughs>